All right, y'all, my guest this week, I feel like I want to be her new best friend. We had the best time. Um, her name is Sissy Goff. If you live in Nashville or are a parent, I know you know of her. Um, she is the co-executive director of Daystar Counseling here in Nashville, has been with them for 30 years, um, and is the director of child and adolescent counseling. She just released her 13th book, um, Amazing, The Worry-Free Parent, Living in Confidence, so that your kid too, or your kids can too. And she has written 12 other books kind of for parents about kids or for kids themselves to work through, you name it, anxiety, um, relationship issues they might have. And this one is the one that has been on her heart for the last several years as she sees more and more and more anxious parents. And she talks about how to no fault of their own only because you're a great parent, you feel anxious about your kids, you want the best for them but that that anxiety can kind of waterfall onto your kids. And so this is her um, this is her message to parents of here's how you manage your anxiety. Here's how you work to better your mental health and your heart, which will in turn be the best way you can serve and help your kids manage their mental health um, and their heart. This is one of the truly most practical books I have read in so long, and I am not a mom yet, but there are so many takeaways for anyone who struggles with anxiety anyone in any relationship that you feel like anxiety may be impacting it negatively or causing you to struggle. Um, this is such a gift and such a resource and her heart is so full of joy. Um, I had a blast with her. So whether you are a parent or not, I know you will have so many takeaways um, and love this conversation with Sissy Gall. Sissy, thanks for coming to be with me Thank today. Thank you so much for I, having me. We were just saying, like, we have so many mutual beloved people. I wanted to meet you forever. I know. I've heard such great things about I know. you. And this is my first book of yours that I've actually gotten to read because Aww. I'm not a mom yet. But, man, this is so good. This mm. is your 13th Thank book? Thank you. Yes. Girl. That crazy. That's crazy. I know. Do you feel cross-eyed? Well, right now, get, yes. Yeah, a little. I, mean, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and it's called The Worry-Free Parent. And yeah. I want to talk all about it because we have so many parents, especially mm. young moms um, in my community that really need this message. And I'm really excited about it. Before we do that, because we're both in Music City yeah, and music brings me joy, I ask every guest if there was a, a walkout song for your life right now, like you just came in the studio, Ooh. what song's playing behind you at this point? Oh, that's a really fun song, fun question about songs. Um, man. I don't even know that I know. I, the first song that comes to my mind is September. That's really basic. Oh, no, I love it. <laughs> but maybe CeCe Winans. I, actually, I was driving over here listening to her singing He's Never Failed Me Yet. Oh, CeCe. Maybe that's good. I just heard her on Coda Copy's podcast. Her, just her life story. Like, yeah. her voice is powerful enough. And then just everything she's kind of gone through. Anyway, you should look it up. Yeah, it's really good. I will. She's a boss. I love that Hoda had her. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. Oh, she's had some great people on there wow. recently but also hoda if you want to be on enjoy life you're on you my go. like a a plus list yeah yeah um, as is sissy goff so uh <laughs> so, <laughs> no. nice. so this is your 13th book came out yes. about a month ago mm -hmm. um but before we dive in tell people just a high view of daystar your time there your role there and, and what you do yes i've been counseling kids and families at daystar for 30 years mm. which i can't even believe i'm old enough to do anything for 30 years but <laughs> Yes, and it is, Daystar is this magical little place in Nashville. We're in a yellow house with a white picket fence. So we have 13 human counselors. We have five dog counselors. Oh. I get to take my dog to work every day, which is that's the so best. Great. You have a dog you love, I right? I do, I yes, do. She so would be fun. a great therapy dog, I yeah. think. Yeah, yeah. Maybe a little too ADD, but so sweet. 
well, that's okay. So many of the kids are, so they <laughs> yeah, would do great that's together. Right. That's right. Yes. So we offer individual counseling, group counseling. We do parent consults with mm-hmm. folks all over the country and just trying to help as many people as we possibly can. And out of that work, I have gotten to speak and write and have a yeah. little podcast of our own. Yeah, Raising Boys and Girls. Raising Boys and Girls, yes. It's so good. Thank I feel kind of like a kook because I listen to it quite a bit and I don't You're have kids so yet. Sweet. But I'm like, y'all, just the wisdom. I mean, wow. even just to engage with like, I'm like you, I'm an aunt. Mm. I've got a bunch of little people yeah. around me, a bunch of friends yeah. that are moms. And and I think just even how to like engage with, you know, my friends yeah. and my sisters well, and stuff. And Maddie, I mean, I think I love even that we're talking about this because not being a parent yet, mm-hmm. you have such a unique voice in the lives of your friends mm. because you can see the forest for the trees in a way that they can't. Yeah. So I feel like you can speak a lot of truth. Oh, that's good. Thank you. I, yeah. I was going to ask, like, reading this book, your most recent book, The Worry-Free Parent, I felt like, I mean, I read it because I wanted to know your heart and your mm. heart behind this message and so we good. could get the most out of it for the moms. And then I'm sitting here reading it being like, yes, yes. And like sc- taking pictures to send to my girlfriends and You're my husband. So and sweet. so I just, I want people to know, like keep listening, pick up the book because this is the f- the first book you've written really two parents about parents. Exactly. Yes. What was that catalyst for you? Like why write to the parents? Well, I, I, my last four books I think have been about anxiety mm-hmm. because I tend to write about whatever I'm seeing yeah, the listener office. Yeah. And so I did one for parents of girls because girls are leading the statistics. Then I wrote one for elementary age girls and one for teenage girls. So cool. And then honestly, since the pandemic, the population I've been most worried about have been the parents. Mm. And I just, and it's not, I mean, it's grownups period. Yeah, I think exactly, we are more anxious exactly. than we've ever been. It's yeah. one in three kids but one in three adults and women are twice as likely and so it's so rampant and when parents are dealing with anxiety their kids are seven times more likely to deal with it themselves and Mm -hmm. so it has this remarkable ability to spread and so I just thought not that parents are the source intentionally no and not always but if we can try to get to the source I felt like let's give it a shot that's such a good way to put it too because I think to their credit parents are so keenly aware of their kids and their needs. And so they're probably coming to you more reactively than proactively, which is how most of us go to counseling, right? Totally. And so I think this is such a nice, uh, this is such a nice invitation for parents to say, like, like you said, let's get to the source. And like, it doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong, but like, what if you could get yourself to a more peaceful place for yourself and then for your kids? Because I've heard you say is, I can't even imagine how hard it would be as a parent if Time-wise, financially, there's a lot going on in the house, and you had to choose, like, do I send my kid to counseling, or do I go? And your kind of bold statement is, you go, right? Yes. Right now, I mean, unless you are really worried about your child. Of of course. But yes, if you're trying to decide, I think start with yourself, and then get a little work under your belt, and then let them go. Do you think that the abundance of resources on parenting is helping more than it's hurting? I think it's it's hurting more than it's helping today. Really? Yes. I mean, I just feel like parents are, I mean, we could talk at length about social media, but I think parents are inundated with a lot of information Mm -hmm. and all these experts, which hello, maybe I'm one of those. Yeah, (laughs) you are. But I think we are all saying different things. Yeah. And so I keep telling parents, I want you to pick one or two voices that you trust and stick with those because it's too much. And I hate this phenomenon right now. 
don't know if you see it on your social media, but it's like you have 52 Sundays a year and you have 18 oh years. And I mean, it's like, stop. That it's gives just making it worse. me anxiety and I don't have a kid, know, you know, on the I clock. Know. That is, yes. It's I too have, much. That my friends that just went to kindergarten and they're like, oh my gosh, like only oh, have 12 left. And I was like, sister, get like, let's not no. use that frame. No. Like, that's not <laughs> that's helping not anybody. helpful. No. no. Goodness gracious. Yes. How do you know which voices to trust? Oh, that's a good question. Besides Sissy Goff. Well, and the, David Thomas, who we'll so give a shout sweet. out to. Yes, of course, David Thomas. I I think maybe the ones that feel like they give you hope. Mm, yeah, the ones that, that make you more anxious, I want you to stop listening yeah, to them. Yeah. Because really, I think if there's anything I would say to parents right now, it's that I want you to trust your gut and that you're doing mm, great. Yeah. You know, if you're listening to a parenting podcast, you're not a bad parent. Yeah, exactly. If you're, I mean, listening to me on your podcast as a parenting person. And so yeah. I just think just trust yourself that you've got it. And yeah. you want people who are going to be speaking that, not you're missing all these things. That's only going to make you feel worse. Yeah. I love that you repeat that throughout the book and everything y'all do is if you're here, mm. if you're worried, that means you care for your kid more than anyone has ever asked you to. Like you're doing, yes. you're taking the steps, you're doing a great yes. job. And, and I love that you focus so much on trusting your gut. I mm. think that's a big part of the book and, and a big part of what just humans struggle with. And, and I think I want to ask like practically, how do we learn to trust our gut? And like, mm. What if our gut has kind of failed us before? Like, that's scary. That's a great question. Well, and I think one of the hardest parts of that, and maybe sometimes why our gut fails us, is we interpret the worried voice for our gut. Let's talk about that. <laughs> yes. So, you know, the way that I would characterize anxiety is we all have hundreds of what are considered intrusive thoughts every day. Mm -hmm. Worst case scenario thoughts. I really blew that kinds of thoughts. Oh, no, what's going to happen thoughts. And those thoughts come in. And if we're anxious, they get stuck. Mm -hmm. Like the in one loop roller cycle, coaster yeah. at the fair. Yes, in that cycle. And so a question that I ask parents a lot, is your thought linear or circular? Oh, that's good. If it's circular, it's anxious. If yeah. it's linear and moving you toward action, yeah. then I think you could trust that more as your gut. And, and as a therapist... Learning to trust my gut has been the most important thing in my mm -hmm. practice, more than any yeah. research, more than any tools I've learned, any of that. And and one of the things I pray a lot is that my gut would be in line with the Holy Spirit. Mm. And so I think as a parent, as a person, yeah. to have that same prayer, and and there is a, a thing I put in the book that talks about the Holy Spirit's voice versus Satan's voice. But I also think we could make an anxiety's it, voice. It is so good. It, well, I, was I cannot I was take credit. You. That was one of the things I took a picture of oh, and sent to my girls group. I yes. was like, hello, this yes. is the litmus test. Right, exactly. Yeah. And it talks about Satan's voice condemns us. You know, the Holy Spirit's voice convicts us. Yeah. And the difference in that, one brings us peace, one brings us panic. Mm -hmm. And so learning to hear that voice, mm. I think the effect it has on us is very different than the voice of fear and worry. Yeah. And, and that's a lot of, I think what I picked up from this book is learning to interpret those voices. Like, is it Satan's voice? Is it the worry voice? Is it your, you know, critical self voice? You're an Enneagram one. You yes. talk about that all the what time. What are you? A three. You are. Okay. So, so I have so, the shame voice. Yeah. There you, <laughs> you go. have the critical right, voice. Right. Exactly. And learning, you know, how to speak to those thoughts and just which voices you let in, like you just said. Right. And one thing I, I appreciated, I think, kind of early on is you talk about 
what is anxious self-talk? And I think mm. that seems pretty simple. But then as I read, some of the things that you noted as anxious self-talk seem that way. I wouldn't have thought that that would make someone anxious. Like you write about if you just say, oh, that was stupid or like that's impossible or that was dumb to do. Like there's such benign phrases mm. that we're used to. Yes. But that that's even where it starts and that yes. that rolls over onto how you talk to your kids or how they talk to themselves. Ugh. Without meaning to. Yeah, that felt like a dagger. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. A friend said, I mean, said that to me a million years ago. She just said, you cannot be angry, this angry with yourself without it spilling over onto other people. Mm. Can I say that again? I yeah. Just butchered yeah, that. yeah. You can't be this angry with yourself without it spilling over onto other people. That is so hard. And anger um, is one of the things that you sort of note as a good red flag for people experiencing anxiety and for parents who have kids that may be kind of angry and reactive. Mm -hmm. That's a good place to notice. Okay. It's very seldom about the outbursts. Yes. And it's seldom that you're a bad parent or yeah, a person. Yeah, yeah. It's usually that you want something. I mean, if you're screaming at your kids trying to get out the door, it's often because you know, they already got three tardies or yeah. means they're going to get Saturday school. Then they'll miss the birthday party. And so yeah. you end up mad for really good reasons. And so we end up talking to ourselves negatively in those moments rather than saying, I blew it and I can repair. Mm -hmm. But also the reason I blew it is because I want really good things for my kids, which means I'm a good parent. Yeah. And speaking that truth back to yourself. Yeah, exactly. You list five kind of basic ways anxiety shows up um, in the book. Do you mind running through those just for people who are like, man, I need to I need to have the red flags available yes. to know when to step back. Tell me which five that I do so many five things. Is you do that so like many five the, things. It's so good. Distract. Oh, no, yeah. But I want to talk about some of those. Okay. Too. So you might have to help me if I forget. Anxiety distracts us because anxiety lives in the past and the future, not the present moment. Anxiety makes us attach future meaning to present problems. That blew my mind. So, yes, because <laughs> they're not cleaning their room now, they'll never be able to drive a car. I had a mom one time who she was on a trip with her daughter and her daughter went to throw something away and she missed the trash can. And her mom came in to say, I'm so concerned, told me the story. And I was waiting for the other yeah, shoe like, to drop. And? and she said, she'll never be a functional human being because she left the trash <laughs> on the floor. I know. And it's just, But you don't blame. Like, right. there's no. There's, yes. It's so easy to think there's this addition yeah. that makes sense. And there's not. They're still developing people. So yeah. future meaning to present problems. Anxiety takes away our warmth and joy. Can we sit there for a sec? I, I mean, know. this show is about joy. And when mm. I read that, I thought, who are some of the most joyful people in my life? And I think they're the people who have learned to manage that anxiety and stay in the present. Maddie, I love that you said that. It's not the people who aren't anxious. Yeah, exactly. It's the people who've learned to yeah. manage it. The people who are fighting yeah. it. Right. Yeah. But because anxiety distracts us, anxiety makes us tense. Mm. And I read a statistic that said... Anxiety in kids is sometimes linked, often linked is what it said, to a lack of parental warmth. Mm. And I don't believe it's because the parent is not a warm person. Yeah. But I know when I'm spinning out anxious, I mean, I find myself at my office sometimes saying to myself, sissy, pause and smile while that person's <laughs> talking to you in the hall. My sister Allie is like, amen. She's like, I can see when your lights check out in your head when I'm talking to you. I love that your sister will say that yeah, to you. She's, that's a sister. Yeah. <laughs> She's not wrong. She's not yes. wrong. I work on it. But yeah, the warmth. And that's the heartbreaking. The warmth and the joy. And the two are linked I know. together. Yes. I know. Okay. Well, let me think of what the other ones are. Help me remember. Chris, I got you. Okay. 
Well, we talked about anger. That was one of them. Yes. I'm and then um, micromanaging. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Anxiety makes us micromanage. Mm. And I think part of that is when we feel like we can't control the big things, we latch onto the little things. For sure. And you can't control the big things as a parent. And so it's so easy to start to try to take control of every little thing in their Mm. life. And so that's one thing I work with parents a lot on. Um, One part of that that I thought was really uh, powerful and effective for everybody is you talk about letting go of the bottom 20%. I don't know if that's the verbiage. Yes, you got it. Um, That seemed like something we can all obviously do regularly. In our lives. Can you explain kind of where that came from? And Well, it came from a conversation with a super anxious parent who had spent 50 minutes. Anxiety, I think, makes us talk more, too. Yeah. And And quicker. Yes, totally. And she just, my whole time was like, in our session. And the only thing I could think was because she was stressed about everything. As we were walking out the door, I was like, let the bottom 20% go. Let the bottom 20%. I just kept saying (laughs) it over and over because I thought if you could let go of some of these little things that you're Mm -hmm. worried about and spinning out about, you're going to be freer to be warm, to enjoy your kids more, to connect more. And I think even in the micromanaging, when we can let go of that bottom 20%, it helps us not be on kids all the time, Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is easy to do. Which also gives them freedom to grow and develop I think yes. a thing that um I, I foresee being a challenge for me um if I get to be a mom is the the compulsion to rescue you talk a lot about in here mm. and why we shouldn't always run to their rescue yes but that is the impulse right as an adoring loving good protective parent it feels like good parenting how do we know when to rescue and when not to and like why is that detrimental to mm. kids well, in the Raising Worry-Free Girls book, the definition I came up with for anxiety is anxiety is an overestimation of the problem and an underestimation of ourselves. Oh, wow. And so, That's really good. <coughs> sorry. And so when we pull them out, when we rescue them, inadvertently, we're basically affirming the definition. You're mm. right. It is too big. You're oh. too small. Yeah. You can't do it. I know that's not what we're trying to communicate, but that's what they hear. Yeah. And anxious kids are really capable because they're so bright mm-hmm. across the board and they believe they're really incapable. Mm, that's heartbreaking. But the Problem. hard thing about anxious kids is they are some of the most manipulative kids I know. And oh, wow. They're like a drowning victim sometimes when they feel anxious. Yeah. But the reality is all kids long to be independent and that's how they learn resilience. Mm, and so. Yeah. Where I want to start with kids is, and if you as a parent are thinking, do I rescue them? Do I not rescue them? I want you to start by offering empathy and questions. It's kind of my favorite formula with kids. So that sounds really hard. What do you want to do about it? What do you think would help? I can't imagine what that's like for you. What do you think God would want you to do in this Mm. situation? That we're asking questions to empower them because questions, even if they don't know and they say, I need your help, questions imply capability. Mm, that's really good. That's really good. And again, I think a takeaway for any relationship that you're Isn't in. Isn't that the truth? I yes. got so tickled not to sidebar, but yesterday was legit in the yard throwing the doll or the dog, the dog throwing the ball with my dog Ryman. And for whatever Ryman, reason, that's a great name. Local to Nashville. <laughs> she couldn't find it. And I was sitting up there being like, you are literally a duck trained dog. Like you can find this ball. <laughs> and I had just finished reading your book and I was like, I get this. Like, I want to go get that ball for her because, A, I'm impatient. But, B, like, I want her to keep playing. But I was like, sissy says no. 
Let her find she's them all. She's got to develop yeah, resilience. She's got to develop resilience <laughs> and independence. But I say that to say, like, I get it, even so on that easy. very silly yes. level. Yes. Um, there's a specific quote you use, um, kind of talking about resisting, protecting, and rescuing, in that when we can resist, we help develop emotional literacy and intuition. Mm. Like we help develop their gut and allow them to trust their gut. Yes. And I just thought that was such a beautiful language. And and I I guess the, que the follow-up question to that is, how do we do that? And also, as either parents or big people in their life, show them some of our own necessary and healthy fears and concerns. You know, the opposite end to me is like, okay, and this is a little bit what I feel like my generation's parents did was like, just make sure everything's fine. Like, don't let any yeah. of the negative come in. And I guess that is protecting, mm. but that there isn't a, there has to be an advantage to showing kids like, okay, this is something that is difficult for me. This is something I'm concerned about. Like, we do need to still do that, right? And doses. Yes, yes. I love that you're saying that because I think you're right. I think uh, the previous generation just didn't talk about anything mm -hmm. in front of kids. Yeah. And what I'm seeing happen is parents who are overcompensating and they are doing a lot of, honestly, I think better development of emotional literacy where they're teaching kids to talk about their feelings. For sure. Which is so important. I yeah. think every family needs a feelings chart somewhere in their yeah. house. All of us probably need one. Yeah. And sure. I think we don't want to stop there, though. And I'm mm -hmm. seeing a lot of parents who stop there. Just with the feelings. Just with the feelings. Yeah. And feelings are feeling our feelings and doing our work is different. Oh, wow. Doing our work involves feeling our feelings. Yeah. But when we only feel our feelings, we have more of a tendency, one, to get stuck there, and two, we learn to trust our feelings more than we trust ourselves, mm. which is what we want for the kids that we love. And so I think thinking about starting with empathy, like we talked about, mm -hmm. moving to questions, but also, like you said, the power of saying as a parent, I was really nervous mm -hmm. when I had to give this presentation at work or... Yeah. You know, one of my friends got mad at me today and it hurt my feelings. Mm. And here's what I did to work through it. Where we're not saying one of my friends got mad at me and I felt really sad and then I didn't know what to do. Yeah, you know, we're yeah. not in the middle All of right. it processing with them, but we're kind of narrating the process mm -hmm. of how we worked through it. Yeah. That feels like healthy yeah. emotional modeling for kids mm -hmm. and what we didn't have. Right. I think for right. so many of us when we were growing up. Well, and to circle back, no pun intended, it's what you were saying before is if they see us feel hard emotions in that straight line toward resolution versus see us spiraling in the circle of go. hard emotions, exactly. then like you said, we're modeling what they need to see. You said, I think somewhere near the end of the book, again, I might botch this, uh, uh, the idea being we can't save our kids, we can't be Jesus for our kids, but we can let our kids see us need Jesus. Mm. I mean, Amen. grand slam, like grand <laughs> slam. I just feel like every parent, every person needs that written on a sticky note on their bathroom mirror. Well, I can't take credit for that. My director at Daystar, our founding director, said that. And yeah. I love it. It's, it's beautiful. It's so good. It's so good. We can need Jesus in front of them. Yeah. Um, we could go on and on. There's a thousand things I want to talk to you about. But it truly is one of the most practical books I've read in a long time, which people need, parents need. And there's, there's worry-free takeaways at the end of every chapter. Um, but you also walk us through sort of Okay, when we're noticing these cycles, when we're working hard on ourselves to try to manage our anxiety for ourselves and for our kids, 
there's kind of three you attack like the body mind heart and mm. what's going on and what are some some rhythms or practices we can employ do you mind kind of saying some of your favorites about no. the body mind heart yes so the body i mean i think that's where anxiety impacts us first and i always want kids and parents and grown-ups i mean any of us mm. to know where anxiety impacts us first mm -hmm. because the the sooner we can stop our sympathetic nervous system taking over, which is what happens, and it shifts the blood flow to our amygdala. That's the fight or flight part mm -hmm. of our brain, which is why parents would say, but I think any of us, when we're trying to have a conversation and we're in a really anxious place, mm -hmm. and parents will say, she's like a crazy person. Well, we're all like yeah, crazy people yeah. when we get to that place because the part of our brain that helps us think rationally and manage our emotions, which is our prefrontal cortex, isn't even getting blood. Yeah. And so... When we can calm our bodies down, we can have a rational conversation again. So I would like every family, every one of us in relationship with anyone, maybe to have a code word <laughs> yeah, I love that it. we say watermelon. Yeah. And at watermelon, that means we're going to stop, take a break. Yeah. We're going to walk away, take some deep breaths, because that's going to move our body back into our mm -hmm. parasympathetic nervous system. That's the rest and digest part of our brain and body. So we're going to calm ourselves back down, and then we're going to come back and have the conversation. Mm -hmm. Because that's the only way we're going to have a helpful, yeah. healthy conversation. So those would be my favorite tips for body. Brain, one of the things I've been talking, we just have started doing parenting seminars on this content. And I kind of modified it from the book. And I was thinking about the old, I don't know if you did this at school when you were growing up, stop, drop, and roll. Oh, yeah. Okay. So oh, yeah. with thoughts, anxiety, I think, starts in our body, moves quickly to our mm -hmm. thoughts. And so instead of stop, drop, and roll, maybe think about stop, drop, and flip. How can I stop the anxious thought and any kind of grounding technique? So anything sensory related. My favorite yeah. one is five, four, three, two, one. If you're driving along and you catch yourself spinning out while you're driving the car to think about, okay, what are five things I see? What are four things I hear? Three things I feel from a tactile sense. Two oh, things yeah. I smell. One thing I taste. Sensory cool. is going to pull us out of the spinning thoughts. Yeah. Drop the thought. So don't go back to it. Mm -hmm. And flip it into something positive. Mm. So even like we were talking about getting out of the door and getting angry, this is because I really am trying hard and I care so much. Yeah. Or you can replace the thought with truth. Yeah. You know, that you have a scripture you go back to. You have some kind of mantra as a parent yeah. that you go back to. And it's something we can do with kids, too. Yeah. I was just at the state fair this weekend. Oh, it yeah. It was a Nashville fair. Did you go? No. It was so fun. <laughs> and it was. it took me back to taking my little four-year-old nephew to Disney World. We went to Disney World last spring, and he was nervous, of yeah. course, about yeah. some of the rides. And so we talked over and over about a little bit scared, a whole lot of fun. Oh, a little bit scared, a whole great. lot of fun. And that's a mantra. You know, yeah. when we can say those things to kids, to ourselves, it can help us flip the thought into something yeah. more positive. Yeah, yeah. And then heart, I think heart really involves a lot of understanding emotionally what's happening. Because what I have found is with all of us who are anxious, it's because we're really bright. We're trying mm -hmm. hard. We care so much. We're mm -hmm. conscientious. It's all these beautiful things yeah. about who God's made us to be. And I noticed this first with kids, but it's true with adults too. I've, I've found it in my own life that, that I think when kids are most anxious, they're talking about something like, I'm afraid I'm going to throw up. Or I'm afraid I'm afraid I'm going to fail this quiz. But when we dig underneath it, often I mean I remember a little girl specifically who came in who was really afraid of throwing up, 
will come to find out she was struggling with some friends at school mm. and she wasn't talking about it. Yeah. I've noticed I have a 15 year old dog. I can tell you this story as a dog lover and she has lung cancer mm. right now. She's doing okay. I spin out on oh, certain yeah. days about it. And it's funny, the days I'm most worried about her, usually there's something else going on. Yeah, yeah. And so I think being aware of our heart involves things like understanding emotionally what's going on at a deeper level. Because mm-hmm. often anxiety just masks as something we're sad about mm-hmm. or we're grieving. Yeah. I mean, you have been through tremendous loss. Yeah. And I think when we're grieving, we're often more anxious. Yeah. Because... It moves us toward what we think we can control. Yeah. And so paying attention to our hearts, taking care of ourselves, all of those things have to do with help for our heart, which is an important piece of this. Yeah. And I think, again, something that is is, is a mantra through your book and your work is grace. And that mm. when we can, as you said, sort of flip or reframe, okay, I'm really anxious right now. It might have come out as anger at my kid or my husband or whoever, but really, it's probably fear. It's probably hurt underneath. Yes. I think I think it's C.S. Lewis that said, "I never knew grief felt so much like fear." Mm. And and just to give your to, to give yes. yourself the grace to admit that, and that. and that that's where it starts. Yeah. And that I'm just telling everybody like these practices. There's one that you talk about uh, breath prayers. Mm. That's awesome. Um, I loved this. There's when I literally read them. several pages of actual scriptures where you breathe in the first half and you breathe out the yes. second half, and it's almost like my church does confession and assurance, and it's almost mm. like the assurance that comes at the end yes. to give you that hope and to ground you back in truth, which is uh, the greatest way to combat feelings like anxiety and yes. stuff like that. So I just I can't tell people enough what an effective tool this is mm-hmm. and your storytelling yeah. is beautiful and like your heart for this is obviously so huge thank you and um i'm just grateful for your work i'm really grateful and and i want to well, leave right back at you i mean you i'm only so on book one but I'm, I'm chasing you maybe yeah. i'll be 13 one day yes. but i do want to leave i guess on the idea of assurance with parents you say that parents are the biggest agent of change in your child's fight against mm-hmm. anxiety and i hope People hear that as freedom, not as pressure. And I I think everything in here can help them find that freedom Mm. in that. So I just want to thank you. I I know everybody's excited. I'm excited. Thank you. So I'm glad to have you. And and the way that we want to end the show always is to know something that's bringing you joy right now. Mm. I would say my little nephews Mm. having a blast. Ditto. Oh, my gosh. It's I so only have fun. one nine months old. Oh, it's a boy. Oh, yeah, boy. It's just going to keep getting more Unbelievable. Fun. How yes. old are yours? Four and 15 months. So sweet. Mm-hmm. So sweet. Yeah. yeah. We're headed into the, he's uh, not walking, but he's right on the tail. Oh, end. that's sure so your little fun. nephew. So, well, that's awesome. Yes. Well, Sissy, thank you for your time. Thank no, you for thank your work. You. Y'all go get this parent or not. I'm telling you, this is a resource you need in your home, in thank your heart. You. Thanks. Thanks.